Amen. God is good, isn't he? His love is so much better. And uh, we are in this series, Rediscovering Jesus. And today is a very special day. So many things to celebrate. In addition to our graduates, uh, the lamp is on back here. We had six people that we're aware of that received Jesus this week. And uh, in addition to that, we have at least 13 that are being baptized this morning between the two services. So praise God for that and how he's moving. And uh, the shirt I'm wearing says, Made New. And when you receive Jesus, when you are baptized, it is a declaration. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says we're a new creation. And, and really, in a lot of ways, whether we're a graduate, a follower of Jesus uh, or not, we all need a GPS in life. We all need somebody who's calling the shots and giving us direction. This past week, uh, I was actually able to speak at a conference in California, and uh, at the very last day, I uh, had an opportunity to go out sightseeing and, and do a little touring with some friends. And so we hopped into a rental car, this is in San Francisco, and uh, we, we turn on the GPS, and the GPS is kind of telling us where to go, and we're trying to see different sites. And we were having a great time. Uh, you know, saw, you know, the Bay, Alcatraz, the, you know, the Golden Gate Bridge, you know, had the best fish and chips I've ever had. My goodness. It was like, it wasn't the cheap freezer fish. It was fresh. Like, it was good. And, uh, and we were just, you know, it was a great time. And came out of the, this restaurant, and uh, the, the friends I was with were still in the restaurant. So I'm just kind of standing outside by you know, this uh, light post that's there right on the bay and uh, doing my best to just take it all in, trying to, you know, look cool like I belong, not, a, not, not being a tourist, right? And uh, this black Suburban, uh, one of those like Uber limousine kind of things, pulls up a taxi service and a uh, guy rolls down his window and says, hey, do you need a ride? And I was like, uh, hey, I'm good, I'm good. Uh, no, I, 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 don't, I don't need a ride. Now, we were probably... 15-minute walk, 20-minute walk from our vehicle, and so we really did need a ride. And uh, for whatever reason, he would not take no for an answer. And I'm like, well, it's not just me. I've got two friends in there. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, I'll give you all a ride. I've got time. I'm like, no, I'm good, I'm good. And uh, he's like, no, seriously, I want to give you a ride. I've got time. And, and so I said, oh, okay, can you pull around the corner? So he pulls around the corner. My friends come out. We hop in this vehicle. And uh, this gentleman uh, had been born and raised in San Francisco, 75 years old, still had a passion for what he did. And when he took the wheel, see where I'm going with this? It changed how we viewed that city. As he drove us around, knew exactly where our vehicle was. We, didn't, we were like, we think it's at this road and this road. He goes, oh, I know right where you're at. Drives us around, gives us fresh new eyes to see things. I mean, when he took the wheel, it changed how we viewed the city and our experience. And it was so cool. When we get out of the vehicle, my, my friends, it's like, hey, we should give him a tip, you know. And, and so we, we give him a little tip. And, and, and after he pulled off, they said, well, how much did he charge you? And I said, he didn't charge me anything. That was free. No joke. I got a free ride in San Francisco. You all kind of probably have a certain view of the city there. God did something in that moment, in that city. We got a free ride, but we also had fresh eyes to see something we wouldn't have already or wouldn't have even known. He even told us, hey, this is where all the tourists go, but this is actually the place you should go. Okay. Let's put on our Jesus hat for a minute, and let's look at what does it mean 
that we have a God who steps into humanity and says, if you'll let me take the wheel, I'm going to make you new, and I'm going to give you an experience that you've never had before. If you'll let me drive, if you'll let me be the Lord of your life, if you'll follow me, I have so much more I want to invite you into. And guess what? It's a free ride. You just have to let me have my way. So we get into this today. The, the big idea, the title of today's message is do whatever he tells you. Can you say that with me? Do whatever he tells you. That is a great idea for anyone that is thinking about who is this Jesus, and if I follow him, if I do whatever he tells me, he's going to make a difference. It fits perfectly with graduates, baptism, and any adult or human being with a heartbeat sitting here today. Father, we love you and thank you that you do care about our lives, that you have a plan, that if we will follow you and do whatever you tell us, that we will experience blessing and favor and the abundant life that you've invited us to. God, speak through your word today. May you be heard. You know what each person came in with, each person online and in person. I just pray that you would have your way today. And may we be a people that does, that, that we will do whatever you tell us. In Jesus' name, everyone said? Amen. Amen. Turn with me to John chapter 2. And uh, we're going to pick up here in the first six verses of John chapter 2. It says, on the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples, and when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Now, did you notice this is his mother? Mother's Day is next week. Jesus can say woman to his mother. I don't recommend it for the rest of us, all right? So he says, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to his servants, do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Her response is, do whatever he tells you. She doesn't say, okay, we're not going to deal with this now. She says, Listen, I, I have faith in my son. I have faith in Jesus. Do whatever he tells you. If you're taking notes today, when we're rediscovering Jesus, we need to understand that when we trust and obey Jesus, we will experience breakthroughs in life. I don't hesitate to say that with faith and conviction, that there is a God who has a plan for our life, and oftentimes the reason it is un unfolding is because we're standing in the way, not trusting and not obeying. Ooh. Right? There is this reality that Jesus enters in as Lord, Savior, King, and he's got a plan. And if we will trust and obey him, that obedience will lead to breakthrough. That obedience will lead to victory and freedom and, and the plans that he has unfolding for us. And so she says, do whatever he tells you. And I would submit to you the same thing today. If you don't hear anything else this morning, know that Jesus is real. He loves you. He's better than anything the world has to offer. And if you'll do whatever he tells you, 
there is breakthrough coming in your life. Guaranteed. Because he has a better plan than you do, and he has a better plan than the world around you. Now, as this unfolds, she's saying this, and this will become one of the uh, six signs in the book of John. That, that actually there's these trust and obey moments. There's actually seven major miracles in the book of John that serve as a sign. One of them is, is Jesus walking on water in John 6. That one doesn't involve anybody else, though. So I'm going to just share with you quickly these six, because all six of them have a trust and obey aspect. All six of them have something that Jesus says that people then have to follow through on and do, and when they do it, the breakthrough and the miracle happens. So these are the six. Water into wine. This is the one we're in right now. Spoiler alert, Jesus is going to take those jugs, and he's going to turn the water into wine. It's not a statement on whether or not you should drink, by the way. That's a different message, okay? It is a literal, like, he turns water into wine. That's a miracle. It's a breakthrough. It is something here that, again, because they do what he says, it leads to a miracle. Healing an official son, an official comes. Uh, he, he gives instructions on here's what you need to do. It's usually quite simple with Jesus. That's the thing. Sometimes, you know, well, we're like, ah, I don't know what to do, and we want a manual. Well, Jesus often will give like very clear, specific, one-sentence, two-sentence instructions in the Gospels, and when they obey, the breakthrough happens. We often make this harder than it has to be. Third, there's the healing of an invalid in John 5. Again, he gives instructions. I believe it's rise up, pick up your mat, and walk in that one, and, and the miracle happens. Then you have the feeding of thousands. They take loaves and fish, and, and, and they break it and say thank you, and, and God actually provides more than what they need to feed a crowd. Fifth one is healing a blind man. He tells him what to do in John chapter 9, and, and as he does that and obeys, there's a breakthrough and a blessing. And then with Lazarus, right, he instructs them, remove the stone, even though he had been buried in a tomb for four days, and they're thinking, wow, it's going to, like, there's going to be some stank in there. Like, that's going to be bad. And they obey, and they remove the stone, and out comes Lazarus, resurrected. I hope we get this today. That there are things that God wants to say to you, maybe today, maybe tomorrow, but there's definitely things, a plan that he has. And if we'll do what he says, if we'll trust and obey, he will bring breakthrough. Sometimes that will be miraculous. Other times it will be small little moments of his favor and fruitfulness in your life that show up and you know and can see God's hand with you. And that's one of the greatest gifts. Throughout the book of John is this reality, throughout the gospels really is this reality of Jesus with us. So are we a people doing whatever he tells us? Look at what comes next, verse 7. It says, Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water, and they filled them up to the brim. So they did what he said, they filled them up to the brim. These were large. They would have held, there were six of them, I believe, they would have held about 20 to 30 gallons of uh, water each. These are large jars. These aren't like a gallon milk jug, okay? These are very, very large. They fill them up to the brim, and it said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. 
So they took it. Now, let me just comment here. This is an interesting moment. In that culture, hospitality is everything. So for a wedding and a master of of the ceremony to run out of wine would have been an incredible tragedy. Some of you feel that way today about wedding celebrations, okay? It was a really big deal. It would have been shameful to that family and to that celebration. So here's Jesus entering in and now taking this opportunity to show who he is, the power that he has. And so they take this to the master, it says, of the feast. When the master, verse 9 of the feast, tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, meaning they're drunk, like, the Bible's real, y'all. You guys are here, right? Okay, when they've drunk freely for a few days, because these are like, this isn't a a three-hour celebration. This is a few hours that they would have been celebrating. It says, then the poor wine, but you have kept the good wine till now. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory. And his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and his brothers and his disciples, which means followers of Jesus, and they stayed there for a few days. As we look at this and what it means for us, the second thing is, uh, if you're taking notes, is do whatever he tells you. Faith grows as we see God at work. You, You see, as they saw God at work, as they obeyed, and as God performed a miracle, the disciples believed and their faith was growing, and they were continuing to follow Jesus. If your faith feels stagnant, it might be because you need to come back to the last thing he showed you and told you and obey. Because when you obey what God is showing you, you see him at work and your faith grows. Oftentimes we can look to, let's be honest, pastors and books and music and and things that we think are holding back our faith, right? We we can say, oh, I, I... I, it's just not deep enough anymore, or I, I need this or that. Do you know what the deep things of God actually are? They're obeying what he's showing you. To trust and obey, to actually see your faith grow. And here's where hope comes alive. It's a game changer when you begin to wake up each day and say, okay, God, what do you have for me? And you begin to look at your day looking for God at work because he is alive and active in our world. And when we begin, just like they saw the miracle water into wine, there are things in your life that maybe you have been giving credit to your ability. And God's saying, could you see me in that? Because if so, your faith will begin to grow. It's amazing how it's like a muscle. You know, when you work out, what happens? You get stronger. When we trust and obey and do whatever he tells us, There's this strengthening of our faith that happens. It doesn't mean that the next step is necessarily easier. It it may be something difficult that the Lord asks of you. But, But because we took the prior step, we know he's faithful and good. And when we take this step, just like he showed up in this one, he'll show up in this one. Come on, church. So faith grows as we see God at work. Now, as chapter 2 continues to unfold here, 
it's interesting what happens next because he, he goes from this moment of water into wine, came the first miracle, and, and he begins to go into where you would expect God to be working in a significant way, which is among the religious leaders. He goes into the temple, but, but he doesn't, we don't see him actually the way God works is he begins in that moment to expose the hypocrisy and the issues that are present, and he begins to cleanse their compromises. Ooh, church, part of doing whatever he tells us is letting him cleanse the things we've compromised. Let's take a look. Verse 13 says, The Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons, and the money changers sitting there, and making a whip of cords. Did you catch that? Jesus made a whip of cords. Like, whoo, something's about to go down. He drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen. And he poured out the coins of the money changers. And he overturned the tables. And he told those who sold the pigeons, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. Say zeal. <laughs> zeal for your house will consume me. I'm going to come back to that in a minute. Because it's very important to understand what's behind that statement and where they got it. It says in verse 18, So the Jews said to him, What sign do you show us for doing these things? Jesus answered to them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, It has taken 46 years to build this temple. And will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. There is so much going on here in this text. If you're taking notes, Jesus approaches with conviction and desires to cleanse our compromises. You see, what's happening here is he goes into the temple and he see things, sees things that shouldn't be. And he begins to drive it out and to say, no, this is not what I'm about. This is not what I want you to be about. Says that there's this zeal that they recognize that will consume who they are. At the end there, when he says that my body will be raised up, Jesus, as we celebrated a couple weeks ago, uh, at Easter, Resurrection Sunday, Jesus went to the cross. He died for our sins. He was rose again. And because of that, we place faith in him. And he is the resurrection and the life, as he said. They believed and they remembered when he rose again that actually he had prophesied and predicted that. Just as scripture had. So this Jesus that we're placing our faith in, it's not just, you know, a rabbi. He's not just a good teacher. He's the king of kings, the Messiah. And he's the one that when he steps in, begins to cleanse our compromises. So let's, let's lean into this for a minute because there's often things that we've compromised in life. Things that we keep coming back to. Things that we keep going to that, that help us get through our daily life. Things that, that might be our go-to that help us, whether it's in a big way or a small way, cope with this broken world we live in. Compromises 
that we go to. And some of those things may actually need to change in this season. I want to show you a a funny video I saw uh, because I feel like sometimes this is me and maybe sometimes this is you, where you found something that's amusing and works and you just kind of keep going back to it. Let's play the quick clip. All right, kind of funny, right? I mean, one, that's a pretty smart bird. But what, what is the definition of insanity? It's doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. You see, you're living a life and there's things you're going to that probably represent some kind of compromise. And as you go to those things, we serve a God who wants to, just like he cleansed the temple, he looks at you and I and he says, you're now the temple of my Holy Spirit. There's things he wants to cleanse, and as we do whatever he tells us, he's going to lead us away from those things. Anybody remember Tonka Toys? I'm going to date myself. Okay, I'm a Gen Xer, so, you know, we didn't have all the video games right away, early childhood, you know, maybe Atari was coming out, but a lot of us had toys, like actual things you played with, with your hands. <laughs> and, and one of those was a Tonka toy, and uh, a bulldozer was one of my favorites, right? Because a bulldozer, like, would just, like, clear everything out of the way, get, get rid of the mess and the things. And, and I came across and, and looked up the story of the largest bulldozer in the world. And uh, I'll show you a picture here so you can get an idea. I don't know who this random man is in there. Uh, it's a D575. These take tons, like I would not want to pay the gas bill on this thing right now, right? And, and this massive bulldozer, there was actually a county, I believe in Texas a few years back, that, that actually used one of these to clear out all of the trash and to get it into a hole to bury it in a landfill. All of the town's trash had got to a place and to a point where they needed something large, something like this, in order to get it out of the way. What does Jesus do? What does the cross do? It's not just something we wear on our necklace. It's not just something we put you know, on a car sticker or, you know, a bumper sticker. The cross of Jesus Christ is the greatest excavator and bulldozer you will ever find. Because when you come to the cross, he begins to clear out all of the compromises, all of the things, all of the mess. And there's things going through your mind right now that you probably know is a compromise, There may be things in your life that you realize, like God is saying, hey, I want you to let me clear this out. I want you to bring that to the foot of the cross. And the question that that I think we have to ask ourselves, because the religious leaders in that day, they didn't respond well to Jesus. They ended up beating him, killing him. You know the story, hopefully. How do we respond 
found myself asking this question, uh, and, and I'm going to just ask you, are you approachable? Ooh. <laughs> Some of you right now are so defensive that you know the answer. Your blood pressure just went up. You mean you're talking to me? I might be. I don't know. Because if we're not approachable, then how can we begin to hear from God even through his people who might say, hey, here's an area, here's an issue, here's something that is, looks like a compromise. We need to be approachable. And the, and the reality is when we begin to become approachable, we begin to see the need to bring things to the cross. So what, again, do you need to bring to the cross for cleansing today? What needs to come to the cross for his cleansing touch? Now, remember I told you to say the word zeal? It's for a reason. They were actually quoting Psalm uh, 69, verses 9 through 13. Let me read it to you. It says, for zeal for your house has consumed me, and the reproaches of those who reproach you have fallen on me. Now, notice what happens here. Jesus and they are recognizing who he is and that he actually brings and should, according to Psalm 69, there's a humility that is present here. You see, often it's our pride that gets in the way of being approachable. Our pride gets in the way of us actually following Jesus. So verse 10 says, when I wept and humbled my soul with fasting, it became my reproach. When I made sackcloth my clothing, I became a byword to them. I am the talk of those who sit in the gate and the drunkards make songs about me. But as for me, my prayer is to you, O Lord. At an acceptable time, O God, is the abundance of your steadfast love answered me in your saving faithfulness. God is a saving God. And when we come to him with humility... When we begin to say, God, I'm hearing you, here's an area, maybe it's pride, maybe it's anger, maybe it's lust, maybe it's pornography, maybe it's drinking, maybe it's gossip, maybe it's gossip, maybe it's gossip. Oh, I got stuck there for a minute. I, I, I was in a repeating loop. Is that, that an issue in the church? I know it's an issue in society. But anytime we bring those things in humility, he begins to cleanse now, let me take us to the last part of chapter 2, and this is, honestly, I this is the first time this hit me in this way. So let me just read to you these last three verses. It says, now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. So again, they're seeing God at work, they're seeing the, what he's doing, and their faith is growing, they're believing in him. It says, but Jesus, verse 24 on his part, did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people. And he needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. Woo. <laughs> okay, Jesus. You don't trust man because you know our character and our sin nature and what we're really made up of. And if the story stayed there, that would be like kind of a rough note to end on. But the story doesn't, right? That's what we need to remember is, yeah, we're going through chapter 2 today, but, but Jesus' story 
It didn't stop at chapter 2. It goes to 3 and 4. It's, it's the journey with Jesus. And what struck me was that, yeah, he, does, he knows what's in us. And then he also knows what he puts in us. Oh, church. <laughs> this is the part that struck me. When we got married, my wife and I, Cindy, 20 years ago, we're in our 21st year of marriage. I'm married way up. We get to hear more from her on Mother's Day. We're going to share together, and I'm excited about it. 20 years ago, we uh, you know, are getting married. We're in our first year having some conflict. Anybody else have strong disagreements in marriage? Okay. Our, ours were very strong. And uh, in, in it all, I can remember a moment where the Lord had just led her to this place where, where she said, I don't trust you, but I trust Christ in you. And that changed everything. It really did. And I think some of what we need to be reminded of is if we're doing whatever he tells us as a follower of Jesus, he puts his Holy Spirit in me, in you as a believer, and in each other, and we begin to love one another and follow his plans, and we're trusting what's in us, which is not the flesh, but the Spirit. The Spirit of the living God that becomes that new GPS that wants to take the wheel and wants to guide your life to new places. Colossians 1 says it this way, verse 27 through 29. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. The writer Paul says, For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that powerfully works in me. Church, when we go to do whatever he tells us, if you've received Jesus, his Holy Spirit is in you. The great exchange has occurred. You no longer are trying to obey in your flesh. You're obeying in your spirit. And that changes everything. That great exchange changes what's in you and gives you the ability, the strength. The verse there says he powerfully working within us. Religion would leave you before this part of the message. Religion would leave you on your own to figure out how to be, modify your behavior and do what God wants you to do. But that is not what the Gospels do. The good news of Jesus is he puts his Holy Spirit in you. When that exchange occurs, we move from our flesh to the Spirit, and it's his Spirit that allows us to obey him and to follow him and to live for him and to be who he's called us to be. Church, we're going to baptize some people in a few minutes. And as we do that, they are declaring not that they've arrived at the finish line, but that this is their starting line, that they are following you, the great, Jesus. The great exchange has occurred, and his spirit is in them for the life they have ahead. That is exciting. That is the good news of who Jesus is. And so when we look at do whatever he tells us, I pray 
that we will be a people that say yes and amen. And we don't do it in our flesh and try to make it happen, but we follow the Spirit and let God bring our flesh underneath his Spirit. Three questions to close, and then I'm going to pray for us. Have you placed your faith in Jesus? Not in church, not in religion, but your faith in Jesus. That's what was changing for the disciples as they were seeing God through Jesus and they were believing and following him. When we place our faith in Jesus, scripture says that if we confess with our mouth and believe with our heart, we will be saved. So I want to encourage you, if that's you today, whether you're online or in person, talk to one of us. Let us pray with you so you can place your faith in Jesus. Secondly, are you doing whatever he tells you? Woo, church. I'm telling you, go back to the last thing he told you if you feel like you're not hearing from him and you didn't obey. But maybe for you, it's saying, okay, God, what do you have for me today and this week? And if we trust and obey, breakthrough will come. And then lastly, we want to just continue to encourage us as a church to take our next steps. You can go to pathwayvb.com slash next steps. We want to help you when you do whatever he tells you to connect, to grow, to serve, to give, which is all a part of this life of following Jesus. I'm going to pray over us. And then we're going to transition into a time of celebration with those being baptized. Amen. My prayer and hope for each of them is that as they declare they're following Jesus, that they'll do whatever he tells them. Father, we love you and praise you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the relationship that you offer us through your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the Holy Spirit in us, the great exchange. Father, forgive us for the compromises. Cleanse us. Help us to walk forward following you and to do whatever you tell us. And we thank you that we can do it because of what you put in us, because of your spirit. Father, right now as we transition to celebrating baptisms, we just ask that each person would have a moment with you now and as they move forward, that they would know that you are with them and that the life ahead is a great and abundant life that you have planned and prepared that they can walk into. Bless this time of celebration, which is so special in your church family. We thank you in Jesus' name. you'll turn to the screen, here's a little bit more about baptism. When someone decides to follow Christ, their life is changed forever. Death turns to life. Despair changes to hope. Dark becomes light. It's a deep, quiet moment that could easily be kept hidden. But a change this profound can't stay a secret for long. It's time for the world to see what God has done. For we were once in darkness, but now we are light in the Lord. 
Baptism is an act of faith. It's a celebration, a beacon cutting through the fog, a message to the world that a lost cause has been redeemed, that God is here and he is transforming lives. So embrace this moment. Declare his glory and let your light shine. Guys, welcome to Baptism Sunday. I am excited and honored to be able to um, help facilitate right now because we have several stories of people coming forward to say what God has been doing in their lives. And one of the things that we talked about when we met was that there is nothing magical in the water today. I think when we talked with some of the kids, we said that this wasn't a magical bath, bathtub. <laughs> um, but the thing is, is these waters represent something truly miraculous that has happened in the lives of each of these people. And so as we go through baptism today, I want to remind all of you of, of a couple of things. One, that this is not exclusively about the people who are being baptized. It's also about the rest of you. Even though we are celebrating their life change, your being here today is a reminder of your own baptism, of the time that Jesus entered into your life and transformed you, and a chance for you then also to be in baptism with them, to say that I will come alongside you for the rest of this journey, that this is your launch point, your starting place, and that you're not alone in the journey forward. And that's part of the reason you're gonna notice that a lot of our kids have come into this service. They've come in because they are seeing, witnessing, bearing witness to their friends being baptized. And we're so thankful to have, not the church of tomorrow, but the church of today present in this room. So our first person to be baptized today is Kaylee Patterson. And the rest of you guys. Total control. About a year and a half ago, my husband and I were searching for our home, and it was more challenging, and there were more hoops than expected. I'd given up. I got down and shut down. Then one day, I finally looked up and just asked my Lord to take all control, and that I completely take him to bring what was meant to be to my family. The very next day, a home became available, and two weeks later, we were signing our papers. From that day forward, I gave my whole heart to Jesus, and doors have continued to open for my family and myself. He is my savior and my keeper. new life. 
have Michelle Lopez. Before I accepted Christ into my life, I was always filled with anger, anxiety, stress, sadness, and the fear of the unknown. I clung to alcohol and marijuana to try to feel anything else. The first time I felt Jesus working in my life, I was at my lowest. My boyfriend John was in a near-fatal crash. I lost all hope. My life had completely flipped upside down. After weeks of his recovery, I saw God making miracles in both of our lives. Three weeks after his accident, I found out I was eight weeks pregnant with our baby girl, Olivia. Just another miracle from God. Currently, I'm seeing God work in our lives. We recently found out that our baby has a heart defect and will need surgery soon after birth. I know God is for me and not against me. He is still working and will never give us anything we can't handle. beautiful day and accept this baptism with an open heart. This baptism symbolizes a new beginning in my life. I have always believed in God, however, throughout my life I have strayed. Somehow I have always believed Jesus walked with me and carried me many a time. Today as I entered the Christianity path, which I truly needed all my life, I am grateful for the step towards peace, stability, and love at Pathway Church. I want to thank my special husband, Eli, for his encouragement and support in spiritual ways. I couldn't have done it without him. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for an open door to a better life. Jesus, and now I want him in my heart forever. (laughs) (laughs) 
I did not grow up in a Christian home, however, was still happy, loving, and supportive. As I got older, I had a hard time figuring out my worth and my purpose, which led me to try and find those things in unhealthy ways and people. I didn't realize that at the time, but I was broken and lost. When I was 30 years old, I was brought to church for the first time. It was then that I learned that I did not have to live with the shame, fear, and rejection I had been carrying around with me because of my past choices. I learned that it is possible to live a happy, joyful, and hopeful life despite anything I had been through. I was surrounded by people that lived that way every day, and I wanted that life too. I was exhausted from the burdens I carried. It helped me realize that I was never meant to do any of this or carry anything on my own anymore. Since inviting the Lord to my life, I have seen his hands on every aspect of my life. Darkness and hard times have still come and gone, but I was never on my own. The Lord carried me through when I had nothing left. He has blessed me with a new, soon-to-be marriage that is full of love. He has restored my family and made it bigger than before. I am loved for who I am without judgment. I'm here today because I stand firm in knowing my worth and my purpose. I am a child of God. I have been healed. known who Jesus is, but I made a decision myself to ask Jesus to come into my life. I want to be baptized to show others how much I love Jesus and that I am a follower of Christ.
I grew up in a Christian home knowing who Jesus is. I know I'm a sinner and wanted to be part of God's family. I made the decision to ask Jesus to forgive me and come into my heart. I want to be baptized to show others I'm a follower of Jesus. frustrated. I started going to church with my dad and started to understand who God is and his love for me. My dad talked to me about how to be saved and Pastor Nate helped me accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. My life has changed because I am no longer frustrated because I have peace in my life, God's blessings and his protection. So awesome. Uh, thank you, Lord, for what you are doing. Can we uh, just, again, celebrate those being baptized? So awesome. Um, hold up, hold up. I'm actually going to do something a little different. I want the kids, if you would just come this way. 
Just for a minute. I got permission from Pastor Eleanor. Kids, isn't it great to have our children in here with us? So great. If you want to, yeah, you're not coming up on stage. Nope, nope, nope. Down here, down here, down here. I just want us to be able to celebrate each child that is represented here and is present. So if you guys will just come right in this area, I'm going to say a prayer of blessing over our children. Amen? Uh, And then I'm going to let them go. And then I'll pray for the rest of us. So uh, I just could not miss this moment. This is so exciting. God is moving in Pathway Kids. And Pastor Eleanor and her team, we are so thankful. And uh, children, we are so excited. So kids, can I pray for you? Okay. God is for you. He loves you and he has a plan for you. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for each child that is present here today. Thank you for the kids that were baptized. Thank you for the kids right now that are up here. And Father, they are witnessing you at work. So we just pray blessing over them. We pray that they would each find and follow you early in life and that they would know that you are good, you are for them, and you love them more than anything else in this world. We thank you. In Jesus' name, be with them. Everyone said Amen. amen. All right. You guys can head that way now. Head that way. Uh, The rest of you, if you'll stand as we get ready to uh, go today, a couple of reminders. Uh, For those that you know that you want to talk to that were baptized, please, they would love to celebrate with you. Graduates are in the cafe. There's cake and punch. If you're a visitor, welcome. We are so glad you're here. You're getting to see a church that is alive and active by God's grace. Amen. And so we would love visitors. If you come to our Welcome Center, if you're here on site, we have a gift for you and uh, would love to welcome you. If you are here and you have any questions about anything you've seen or witnessed today or you need prayer, we have people, myself included, that'll stay up here and available. Uh, What a great day, Pathway. Father, we praise you. We praise you. We praise you. We thank you for all that we've got to witness and be a part of today. And I pray that as we get ready to go, that we would do whatever you tell us. May we hear you, may we follow you, may we trust and obey, and I pray for breakthroughs and blessings as we love you and love all people in our pathway. We thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Go now, be the church. Have a great week. Thanks for being with us today. Whether you've worshiped online or in person, we're glad you decided to join us. Our church's mission is to love God and love others in our pathway, and we hope you take that mission with you as you head into your week. If you're new here, please take a second to visit pathwayvb.com new and fill out our new here form. We'd love to connect with you and give you a special gift just to say thanks for visiting with us. If you call Pathway your church home, remember giving is another part of our worship experience. Don't forget you can text to give, give online, or set up recurring giving through our website. And before you head out, take a second to share this service. Hop on over to Facebook or to YouTube and hit that share button right now. And last but not least, invite someone to join you for service next week. The best way we can love others is to live life together and share the good news of the gospel. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.